0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fringes of the Faith podcast. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the obscure and the strange things in the Christian Bible and in the faith. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor here at Capstone Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and sitting next to me is our Senior Pastor, Parky Coburn. Hey, Pastor Paul. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I sense you're doing pretty good, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Only the Lord knows, but Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this morning I was looking into a glass of water, and I had a vision, and I wrote it down. Okay. Are you ready? Yes,
1: you had a vision while looking in a glass of water. In a glass of water. Okay.
0: Before taking my vitamins. All right. Uh, And I had this vision, which I wrote down, And, and here it is. Clear and silent is a day to come. The glass reveals a historic clash. Not by strength we overcome but through the one who wears the sash.
1: Can you interpret that for me? Well, I would say no. (laughs) 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 Sounds like uh, a bunch of gibberish to me anyway.
0: Well, you know, and I would interpret it for you, but uh, unfortunately I'm no longer alive because I wrote this down. I wrote this vision down in a quatrain long ago to keep it obscure, because one day, many, 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 many years from now, this quatrain will come to pass, Uh and it will be used to prove that I was a prophet, and the odds are someone will write books and make videos about it, Mm -hmm. and make a lot of money off of that. Mm -hmm. Because eventually, there will be a clash or a war involving a general or a commander with the last name of Glass, or it could be he has a glass eye. Could be. Or maybe an, even an ambassador or a president who wears a uniform with a sash on it. Oh, boy. Okay. And like I said, when that happens, they're going to look back and they're going to say, see, Pastor Paul, he was a seer. He was a seer. He was a prophet. Now, does that sound like anybody you've ever heard of? Uh,
1: yeah, unfortunately.
0: No, yes, it does. Maybe a man from the Renaissance period who wrote cryptic
1: poems in quatrains? Yes, in quatrains. Yeah, that gave it away for me when you said quatrains. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nostra, no, What's his name? Nostradamus? Nostradamus.
0: Well, he goes by what he's known by the name of Nostradamus. Oh, yes. And so I wonder, who, who is this guy, Nostradamus, and, and why is he so famous? Was he a prophet? Was he a seer? And is there any biblical explanation to help us discern who this Nostra, as you say, Nostradamus, <laughs> was? Are you saying he smells funny a little bit? No, I, smells a little fishy. Here? I'm
1: sorry, I just got, I, I got confused.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe there's some biblical explanation in there to help us discern who Nostradamus was, and you know who he wasn't. Okay. We think there is.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so.
0: All right, but first, let's look at a brief biography of a man born Michel de Nostradam. Michel
1: is that Michael or
0: Michel? It's Michel. Oh okay. because he was a French astrologer, a physician, and an alleged prophet. hmm He lived in he lived in between fifteen oh three and fifteen fifty six AD. He had a wife and two children who unfortunately died in 1934 due to the plague. Yes. And it was because of this that he dedicated the first half of his life helping doctors treat the plague. Yes. He eventually remarried. And it was at that point he began writing almanacs based on his studies of astrology. Now, not astronomy astrology so what's
1: the difference explain the difference
0: well astrology has to do with trying to predict the future using the positions of the stars and the planets and so constellations yes, yes. constellation yes. as a matter of fact uh, astrology
1: is what provides horoscopes yes okay i think everybody's familiar with that right okay now, astronomy is actually the study of the stars right the, the actual and the universe the
0: study of the universe the not, things not that to are pick in, up
1: a message from them but just to no. study them
0: No, and not to make predictions it's yes. just it's the study of uh, extraterrestrial meaning outside of mm-hmm. our our earth uh, things of the extraterrestrial yeah. so there's a big difference between that and I just wanted to point that out uh, just for you guys and guys that, that may be listening and watching that, Nostradamus or Michel Mm Nostradam was an astrologist. Okay, so using astrology, Michel de Nostradam would develop horoscopes for the wealthy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and by this time, when he began to publish uh, his his books, he he started publishing an almanac based, you know, predicting what things were going to look like based on the movement of the stars. He took on this Latinized form of his name, Nostradamus. Mm, Yes, that's what most people know him as. Yes. And now Nostradamus eventually walked completely away from medicine. Mm -hmm. And you'll never believe why. Well, you might believe it.
1: well, Well, tell me why. Tell us all why.
0: He walked away from medicine to put all of his efforts and his energies and his time and his money into the practice of the occult. Hmm. Hmm. And it was during this period in time that occultism was very trendy, especially among the wealthy class.
1: Oh, so, so you are you trying to tell me that he maybe saw an opportunity to make some money for, for, for giving prophecies to the wealthy?
0: Well, I'll let y'all be the judge <laughs> be the of that. judge of that, okay. Uh, but, you know, he, he, was, he was very popular. Uh, As a matter of fact, he picked up a very influential follower named Catherine de. de, Help me out here. Messini? No. Machini? No. Uh, Medici? Medici. Medici. Catherine de Medici, who was the wife of King Henry II
1: of France. That's right. Yes, exactly. Very influential. King Henry II, yes.
0: Mm -hmm. So Nostradamus was frequently sought out for psychic advice. Mm. And he became known as a seer. However, much of what he prophesied failed to come to pass. Yes, it did. And a lot of his contemporaries back then thought that he was pretty much a fraud. Mm -hmm. And he used, in my opinion, he, he figured this out pretty quickly, and he used this humiliating type of experience as, because everybody started circling this about him. It's like, these things aren't coming true. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the other astrologers in the field were questioning his methods and saying, no, there's no correlation between the positions of the stars and you know all this hooey that he was putting out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that he adjusted his techniques of his predictions – and he began writing down his prophecies in what we call quatrains. Mm, yes, which is a a poetic style of writing and it's very cryptic and you know
1: composed you, of four lines, correct?
0: Uh, yes. And when you when you look at these, what you find out is they're very unspecific.
1: Oh, yes. And they're
0: very obscure. And most scholars believe that was done purposefully. Mm-hmm. so that they could be twisted and interpreted to mean whatever you want it to mean. Uh, he used a form of writing that is called Virgilianized, mm-hmm. which is based on a famous Roman poet named Publius Virgilius Maro. So already he's plagiarizing his style of writing. Right. And he intermingled, N- Nostradamus intermingled various language in his quatrains, and he used Greek, French, Italian, and Latin, which made it even more difficult to decipher. And so scholars agree that most of the quatrains Nostradamus penned uh, that have air quotes come to pass mm-hmm. were misinterpretations, often using after-the-fact incidents to legitimize his writings so that they could sell books In videos purporting that Nostradamus has been predicting the future all the way to the
1: end of the world. Yeah, you know, those of you that are listening uh, or watching, if you haven't read any of Nostradamus' prophetic uh, quotations, prophetic, um, I don't know how to say it, I guess just prophecies or Mm -hmm. writings, I Mm -hmm. guess would be the best way to say it uh i think the book he wrote in 1555 lays propheties i think was uh the book where most of these came from uh you ought to read them and don't just take our word for it i mean you know nothing's going to jump off the book onto you by just reading these things and you, you read them for yourself and see uh they are uh very vague very hard to understand um and uh, if you can understand them or make heads or tails out of them, you know, you're, you're a better person than I am. Uh, but I, I agree, you know, I have read some of his his writings, and, and they are uh, <laughs> very vague, and, and maybe, as you said, purposely so.
0: Yes, and, you know, he also was known for plagiarizing other prophetic works as well, many, mm. many other prophetic works, and so often his writings are not even of his own and they've also determined that he's plagiarized prophetic the prophecies in the bible as well
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know he not we're not Nostradamus was an extremely intelligent guy mm-hmm. i mean you're talking about A very learned guy. Uh, He had studied many, many disciplines. I believe, ethnically, I believe he actually was a Jew, but he became a convert to Catholicism. He did. And so he was very studied and had a a wide uh, range of, he was well-read, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so, uh, and, uh, you know, he, so therefore, you know, he had a big uh, catalog, I guess, intellectual catalog from which he could, he could pull from as he wrote things.
0: Yes. You might even say he was kind of the Jeff Bezos of his day. Oh yeah. yeah. Highly intelligent and highly opportunistic.
1: Okay. All right. That mean, well, yeah, little... you know, yeah, I
0: could be, but like you mentioned, he wrote a book in 1556, um, which was that, Say it again. Lay, propheties.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. not. My French is not very good since I left mm-hmm. high school. But yeah, uh,
0: and the funny thing about that is, he actually died that year, in 1556. Yeah, and why that's funny is because he started publishing his books in 1550 with the almanacs and then some of the prophecies. Um, and his almanacs, by the way, were far more popular back then mm-hmm. than, than the book of his prophecies, which ought to tell you something. Right. He also wrote a few medical books, but it seems that history has defined Nostradamus as a venerated prophet and a seer. You see videos on him. You see uh, the History Channel uh, making videos about this man. And I'm not saying, um, I'm not judging this man. It's not my job to judge but I am judging what he wrote, and, I, and I'm judging whether or not this person actually is a prophet in the sense that we use that term prophet.
1: Right. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, if you, if you look at what some modern-day people say about Nostradamus, some of them say is as is, is high as 85% of his prophecies have come to pass— and you know he's he's even said to have prophecies about trump and and 911 and prophesied that uh mm-hmm. prophesied president trump uh and i've read those and they are so vague i mean you know you could you could put one of any number of people you know you could read that and say hey that points to one of any number of people uh potentially mm-hmm or you could say it points to no one uh, just, as, just as easily. So uh, there are a lot of people that have put a lot of faith in this guy's writings.
0: Even though he's generally on the high end, and I'm going to say only 85% correct.
1: That, that is the, that's the optimistic side. That's, that's those that follow him. And really believe in him. They say about 85%. They themselves say that.
0: Well, let's talk about, you know, the biblical. And I think that's
1: important because we're going to talk about what the Bible says. We are. Mm -hmm.
0: So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the biblical definition of a prophet um, and what God says about prophets. Okay. Big P prophets. okay? Okay. So Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20 through 22, says this. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, a word which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how will we recognize the word which the Lord has not spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and the thing does not happen or come true... That is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You are not to be
1: afraid of him. You are not to be afraid of him. That that's a very interesting uh, uh, command mm-hmm. because in the in the days that this was written, uh, prophets were revered as someone who ha- heard the word of God and and spoke it out. So people took that as when they spoke, they were speaking on uh, on behalf of God, in other words, God was using them as a tool to speak through, and so people really respected that, they feared that. you know, you remember the time uh Samuel uh, went to Bethlehem to uh, to anoint David as king you know the the elders looked at Samuel and said, "Do you come here peacefully?" <laughs> you know It's like, do you have a bad word for us uh and, and, you know, the, the interesting thing about what God's saying here in Deuteronomy 18 is if these prophets speak words that don't come to pass, which is the um, measure of whether or yes. not it's a litmus, te- litmus test. Uh, one of the litmus tests right. that they're speaking from God, then we are not to fear or revere the spirit that is speaking through them. We're not to fear that spirit. Uh, it's not the spirit of the Lord. And so we're not to put a reverence upon that. And I think it's interesting that
0: you brought up that prophets in that day were revered as, you know, having direct communication with God. I believe that's why they were always in the presence of the King, that the Kings would always call upon the prophets. They Mm -hmm. were that important. They were that revered.
1: Yes, they were. Um, and the the kings understood in many cases that they needed to to be able to hear from god we know that in those days and in, in that dispensation period of time in the in biblical history and world history that the holy spirit was not residing inside of of men like it does after the resurrection of christ mm-hmm. And so these people that had this anointing or calling upon them, these, the kings would often bring them close to them and, uh, so that they could hear from God. And you, and, you know, Pastor Paul, you see that not just in, in the biblical sense, but you see that in the non-biblical sense. I mean, kings everywhere would bring in magicians mm-hmm. and, and soothsayers and all of these people to try to be able to interpret uh, what was going to happen.
0: And that goes all the way back to Egypt, because if you remember, Pharaoh brought his magicians in to try to counter Moses as the prophet of God.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it, we're saying Egypt, and you're you're exactly right. That's what we read about. Uh, it's really, it's not the first world empire that we read about. Uh, Babylon uh, right. under Nimrod is probably the first, but we don't get a lot of a ton of explanation about how that was set up. But yeah, in Egypt, you you see that. Mm-hmm. And you see the soothsayers and the magicians being brought in to counsel Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to
0: this uh, idea. Uh, it's really not an idea, this commandment from God, that if a prophet speaks a word from any other source than from him, than from God, that prophet shall die. Okay? Shall die, yes. So, it, mm-hmm. you know... During during the writing of this, if a prophet spoke a word and it was in the name of another god, or some other source than Yahweh, uh, the God of the Israelites, then that prophet would be killed. Yes, they kill him. Right. And the other thing too is if they spoke a word and said, "Thus saith the Lord," but that word did not come to pass, that prophet would be killed as well. Wow, we they would were have that a, serious. If we
1: if we practice that today, we'd have a lot of dead people. <laughs>
0: unfortunately yes mm-hmm. so here's the thing um, Nostradamus began publishing his quatrains and prophecies in 1550 hmm he died in 1556 six years after publishing his writings and you know what he died from he died from the gout from gout ouch that hurts gout is very painful oh yes and so what that means is he didn't die of natural causes hmm he didn't die of old age he was. Um, he met his demise early. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any correlation here to Deuteronomy 18?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I do because um, so many times I believe that we feel like we have to be the instrument that brings about God's word. But I don't think that's the case uh, unless we're directed to do that. God can do that on, on well on his own, mm-hmm. and in this case, he lived a very short life after he started doing these
0: things. Yeah, it seems like when he put all of his time and energy and effort into the occult, and basically, some would argue he did that because it was the trend of the day, and he had very wealthy, influential friends, and he could write books, and they would be uh, sellers and make him wealthy, but when you think about that, um, yeah, it, I don't think it's any coincidence that shortly after his popularity began to rise in the occult uh, crowd, and these prophecies were were being written, that he met his demise. I don't, I don't think there's any any question that that may not be a coincidence at all. No, I, I can sure understand that. Mm. So how about other prophets in the Bible that were not prophets of God? I mean, we do read about them. 1 Kings 18 talks about Elijah, the prophet, versus
1: 450 prophets of Baal. Yes. Yes, there's many. Uh, there's, there's several instances of this in the Bible. Uh, The book of Acts has several incidences as well. So, yes, I mean, we see this throughout the word of God, that there were people prophesying uh, uh, from uh, a foundation that was not Yahweh, that was not God, Mm -hmm. the God of the Bible.
0: And if you remember these 450 prophets of Baal, they were were chanting and dancing for hours, and they were sacrificing, Mm -hmm. and, when that didn't work, they started cutting themselves and bleeding all over the place and still mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And so here's Elijah, the true pro- uh, prophet of God. He makes sure he wants them to know that he is the true prophet by drenching the sacrifice you know, in water three times to the point where there's no way a fire could be lit using natural means. And so, as you know, the story goes, fire comes down from heaven and, and consumes the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And everybody says okay the lord is the lord yes and, and elijah is a prophet of the lord how do you think nostradamus would have held up
1: against elijah hmm. well i i i really think that nostradamus may have been in his mind somewhere he may have thought that maybe some of these words were did come from the god of the bible maybe he did you know there's some uh correlation to that in in, in uh, study of his life but I'm going to tell you uh, Elijah and elisha the, you know they had schools of prophets they mm-hmm. they taught prophets mm-hmm. and and when Elijah ran into a counterfeit of of uh, of the true um, let, let me just say this he could uh, he could be very intolerant of that that he did not feel was, was motivated by by Jehovah God. Yeah, and, and do
0: you think that maybe the reason for that is if someone's going around there prophesying in the name of God and they're not a real true prophet, that somehow might have a, a diminishing effect or a discrediting effect upon the Lord's name,
1: and we know that that is not a good thing to do. Right, and and, and ladies and gentlemen, I mean remember uh, in in the days of Israel, Israel really functioned as a theocracy mm-hmm. in so many ways. okay, they may have had kings that was not god 's original plan for them uh, potentially, but they they had leaders but they were to function underneath the direction of God. And, and so therefore the ministry and the worship of God and the direction of God had to be kept pure mm-hmm. or people could be led astray. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why Elijah, uh, you know, was so um, uh, s- set for true words from God and against that which wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm. And so there's, a, there's another prophet, uh, considered a Gentile prophet in the Bible, named Balaam, mm-hmm. and he was also a prophet of Baal. And so when the king of Moab named Balak hired him to curse Israel, uh, apparently, even though he was a prophet of Baal, the Spirit of the Lord came over him, and he prophesied on behalf of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, Balaam, you know, to his credit, said, well, I can't speak anything that the Lord did not speak to me. But we know that he was a prophet of Baal because it says that King Balak and Balaam went to the high places of Baal, and they made seven sacrifices there. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. And so, uh, so we know he was a prophet of Baal, and he was a Gentile prophet. But it's, it's strange, it's kind of strange that the spirit of the Lord would come over uh, Balaam, and he, everything he spoke was for the good of Israel.
1: Yeah. You know, any of us can hear Uh, voice of God speak to them. They can hear the voice of the flesh speak to them. They can hear the voice of demons speak to them. Mm -hmm. And in in Balaam's uh, defense, uh, you know, this was very early on uh, in in history. Mm -hmm. And the separation of the people groups uh, early on at the power of Babel had made each people go their own way, and through that, some bad stuff had entered into their relation to their worship of God. And so, God was revealing Himself to people, and He still does. He does now. Mm-hmm. I mean, He reveals Himself to people, and He was revealing Himself uh, to ba- Balaam. Um, the problem, as you read his story, is uh, that what God would tell him or his encounters with God didn't really change his motive for profit. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see these
0: instances of, of these prophets in the Bible, and these seers who were not actual prophets of God. They mm-hmm. were prophets of other gods or self-proclaimed prophets. And we've talked some, about some in the Old Testament. You brought something up about in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. What was going on in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, where we see this this kind of a prophetess, I believe, operating?
1: Yeah. yeah, right off the top of my head, there's a couple. You know, Acts 16 is the one you're talking about, where there was a slave girl that w- the Bible tells us was possessed with a spirit of divination, fortune-telling, we might say nowadays. And here's the interesting thing: the Bible says that through her practice, she brought much gain to her owners. <laughs> we are not saying that you need that all of all of this divination or all of this spiritual speaking that comes from something other than than Jehovah. We're not saying it, it could potentially be. It's all false. I mean, it's it's not saying that maybe they couldn't foresee something or or te- or give some direction in some way. I'm not saying follow it now. Stay with me. It's just coming from the wrong source, and and that source will eventually reveal itself as being wrong because this young slave girl was able to bring profit to her to her um, owners. But you know the uh, the powers that have been behind her in the spiritual world have been around since. Mm-hmm. creation or before and, and so they they have a lot of experience and they know how to read things uh and even try read things or prophesy something and then try to manipulate that to happen but uh you know she was even saying the true things about uh paul and his followers well these men are people that are preaching you the way to salvation but but after a few days Paul looks at her, and and he rebukes that thing and commands it to come out of her because he knew that the source of it was not God. Mm -hmm. They're not the success. He wasn't looking at that. He was looking at the source. He wasn't looking at her success rate on her prophecies. Well, she's 85% accurate. Mm -hmm. He was looking at what the source is, and he... um, Uh, rebuked that and and got that out of her. And not just the source, but perhaps the motivation. Exactly, exactly. Um, And how the whole thing operated. I mean, this girl was a slave. She had no free will of her own. Uh, The whole setup was ungodly. People using uh, this woman uh, as a tool to enrich themselves, everything about it was wrong from a biblical standpoint.
0: And I think that's really the standard that we need to use when we're looking at people like Nostradamus, and, and actually there's an American named Edward Casey. I don't know if you Edward yeah. Casey. I don't know if you remember him, but yeah. he was a clairvoyant, Kentucky boy. Yeah, he was clairvoyant, and he wrote a lot of books and became very wealthy off of off of his uh, special skills, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But you know, using the biblical standard. Uh, I think is the safest way to determine, is this person operating in the gift of prophecy?
1: Yes, that's what we're told. Now, first of all, if something's really from God, he doesn't miss it. That's right. Okay, number one. Number two, uh, if something is really from God, it operates in a biblical sense, and and through those two things, we understand and know that if it operates, if it's accurate, and it operates from a biblical sense, then we know what the source is. Mm. That's good.
0: That's good. So then, what what would you say to those listening? What do you do with these kinds of stories, or these books, or these multitude of videos about? these characters like Nostradamus and and Edgar Cayce and any other so-called seer or
1: self-proclaimed prophet? Well, once I've investigated it and and I sense uh, that the the source or the modus operandi, if you want to say, is not biblical, I'm not concerned about the accuracy. Uh, I, I shut it off. Because I understand that what's behind that is not godly, and at some point in time, that is going to be revealed. It's going, now, the good news is, to a believer, it can be revealed to you early on because you, hopefully you know the word. But it's going to be revealed uh, at some point in time what its true motive is. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, I mean, okay, guys, just go ahead to the book of Revelation. Or we've been studying that at our church. Uh, just because something is powerful doesn't mean it's from God. That's good.
0: Uh, that That's very, very, very good. So so now it begs the question, are there any legitimate people out here today that can operate in the prophetic in a godly way and, and can provide information about future
1: events? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give parky 's Uh, take on the Bible on this? Okay. Yes. The answer to that is yes. The gift, uh, fivefold gift of of the office of the prophet, I believe, operates. And I do believe that while there's much overlap in the office of the prophet and the gift of prophecy, uh, any of us can get a revelation from God and and be able to give that. Um, There are people, uh, I believe, that have prophetic giftings now are those people called to operate uh among church leadership in the direction of the church just because they may operate in the prophetic i think those are two different things okay but yes i know that uh that the gift of prophecy is still out there and and still active um But I do see, while they may be coming from the same source, the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit, I do see the office and those that are intended to function with the rest of the fivefold ministry different from somebody who just has a gift, a prophetic gift upon them.
0: Yeah, and it reminds me of Scripture in the Old Testament, Amos 3, verse 7, and this is what it says says, certainly the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret plan to his servants, the prophets. And you just explained a little bit about how that still applies today, um, that there are still people that operate in the prophetic, mm-hmm. and how there is a difference between operating in the office of a prophet, big P, prophet, mm-hmm. and operating in the fivefold as, you know, in the prophetic, little p, so what, what key advice would you give someone who thinks that they may be a prophet of God?
1: A prophet of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say something else that, that I think that a lot of people may not agree with, and that's okay. We love each other. I think that uh, people flowing in the office of the prophet, it's rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's out there. But it's as rare as people that flow in the apostolic, uh, people that flow in the pastoral anointing and brothers and sisters. There's a lot of people that are just because you're in the pastoral position doesn't mean you're called or to be in that position. And just because somebody feels like they have a prophetic gift doesn't necessarily mean that they're called to operate in some type of position of prophecy. Um, my whole thing is, is if the body of Christ, it, 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 the body of Christ recognizes its parts, and uh, if you feel like you have a gift of prophecy, then I say uh, submit that to you, the leadership of your church. Um, talk to them about it, and if you really are operating in that gift, and they're open to the gifts of the Spirit and they believe in them. And if you really uh, are operating in that gift, then I believe uh, if there's a willingness there to hear from God, and hopefully there is, then they'll recognize that. They'll recognize it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like when you go to a church and you say, well, I believe the book of Acts says the Lord adds to the church. Uh, I do, too. I believe that. Well, when you go to a church and you're discerning, you're not picking a church like you pick a grocery store. You're picking Mm -hmm. a church based upon do I feel like God is speaking to me here? Mm -hmm. Well, we do that, but we get nervous about somebody else saying, recognizing that we have a prophetic gift because they can hear God speaking through us and they see that anointing on us. Mm -hmm. Does does that make any Mm -hmm. sense, that correlation? It does. Okay, Mm -hmm. so uh, I would say go to your pastoral leadership team, uh, your leadership team in your church, and tell them what you feel and let them pray with you about it and let them help you nurture that gift. And so how serious, that
0: that's, that's one aspect of operating in the prophetic, but how serious is it to operate in the office of the prophet, P? Uh, it's pretty serious because I don't know about you, but I, don't, I can't think of a time where I have ever uttered the words, "'Thus saith the Lord.'"
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, take a lesson from the Apostle Paul, okay? When the Apostle Paul was writing the Corinthian church, when there were times he was just giving his, his educated uh, opinion from studying and things, he said, this is me speaking, not mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. When he knew it was God because it was founded in the Word of God, and he knew it was coming from the Spirit. He says, this is the Lord speaking mm-hmm. here. This is what the Lord says. And so uh, I'm telling you, uh, that's one of the things I see in the people that flow in the office of the prophet. They, they realize that everything they say is not necessarily God, and they know when to be quiet and when to speak. And they know how to make that delineation between uh, this is God, uh, I really believe, speaking, and this is me. Okay. And, uh, uh, and so I, it's, it's rare. I believe that people that operate in the office of the prophet, it's rare. I haven't seen tons of them, although I have met them and, and they are there. But, uh, just because, like I said earlier, just because you have a gift of prophecy doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to operate in that office. And
0: is there any correlation between that and someone who feels like that they have been called to correct because there's there, there's this line here that is someone that's called to provide correction to let's say the body of christ is that is is that a prophet is that are they operating in the prophetic or or is it some something
1: else yeah i uh... I'm not one of those people that believes that a New Testament prophet never has a corrective word. I mean, that would that would be the same thing as saying God never has a corrective word for us. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of the coin, what I see going wrong, and I know we're not really doing a prophetic uh, talk today. We're doing a talk about Nostradamus. But while we're on this subject here... I see a lot of people that try to operate as the Old Testament prophet did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to come in and come out and not really have a relationship with anybody. I'm going to prophesy, you know, good or bad, and then I'm going to go back and sit under the tree and see if it comes to pass. I don't think that was what God intended in Old or New Testament. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elijah operated that way because the king that was over the kingdom hated him.
0: And was after him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but that wasn't the way it was supposed to. He was supposed to operate there with the king. That was what God wanted him to do, like David Mm -hmm. and Gad and Nathan. Nathan, They were supposed to operate in that same sense. Mm -hmm. Now, think about Nathan the prophet. If he was with David that whole time, when David had to leave because Absalom was after him, guess who had to leave too? Mm -hmm. Nathan. Mm -hmm. Nathan had to go and live in caves and all that, and he was willing to suffer Along with the work of God, uh, I don't. Uh, sometimes the prophetics not willing to suffer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, along with the work of God, they they don't want to link themselves up enough to go through the good times and the bad times. They're just there for the good, and and when they prophesy the bad, then they book out of town and watch the sky fall. And so, priests, forgive me if that has offended you. That's not my desire. It's just uh, the, the prophet in the New Testament sense, and I think in the sense of the heart of God always, was to be a part of the team. Okay? It, they're not, it doesn't say, there's, here's the fold, fourfold ministry, and then out here's the prophet mm-hmm. whose job is to correct the fourfold. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's not what it says. No, that's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just had a thought, and then, then it fled. Well, that's okay. It happens to me all the time. That's <laughs> called age. <laughs> yeah well, are God keeping you from messing up one of the two?:
0: I'm going to think of it as a little of both, probably okay. more God keeping me from saying something I shouldn't, but anyway, so Nostradamus, very interesting kind of guy, uh, wrote very interesting things, very vague quatrains in poetic form, and you know eighty five percent. Being on the high side of being correct is still not a hundred
1: percent. It is not. And once again, I mean, when something's written and then you, you're looking at things after the fact and then trying to make them fit in to to that, you, you've opened your door for some wide latitude, okay, to do that. And and prophecies are real are very vague. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's, that, that's a whole one other question that I would say. Is God's intent in prophecy to be vague or is God's intent in prophecy to be clear hmm. and direct? Well, you read his word and you understand, I think, that his, his intent is to be clear and direct his people. And so that's another reason why I think that's it's just not from God.
0: Yeah. Well, good. Well, I have a prediction.
1: What's your prediction? I have
0: a real bona fide prophecy that will be
1: 100%. What is it? This podcast is about to be over. Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, I bet that prophecy is going to come to pass. <laughs>
0: well, that's it for today. We'd like mm-hmm. to thank Carolyn Maker for her recommendation on doing this episode. On thank Australia's. you, Carolyn. Great topic. Uh, we had fun uh, looking at this and talking about it. And remember, if you have any suggestions... Please use the comment section below if you're watching on YouTube or send us an email at info at capstone dot church. Hey, we love you guys and gals, and, you know, God bless you. And, and always remember, stay in the Word, stay alert, and be not deceived. We love you guys. God bless. God bless.
1: Have a great day.